I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. When I'm really miserable out on trail, it is helpful to remember that I put myself in that situation, you know, like nobody's making me do that. And it doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to hate it sometimes. Like we can choose something. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to complain about those things. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to hate those things sometimes. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 523 with guest Nicole Antoinette. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I think I just spit accidentally on my little microphone screen, which is a good thing that's there, I suppose. That's what it's there for, a little bit of protection. I also wanted to tell you that I have one spot open right now as I record this, which is early May of 2023. I have one spot open for coaching. And I wanted to just very briefly tell you what a couple of my my newer clients have have come to work with me for and sort of what we've accomplished so far. So I have one amazing woman who is super established in her career and is single in her 30s and just started dating again after a hiatus. And she wanted to change her mentality around it, her mindset, and also have better boundaries around some of these dates that she's going on. And it's been amazing. She's already ended some dates and been very clear about you know why she's ending them and just engaging in ways that she hadn't done before and is so incredibly proud of herself. I am proud of her as well. I have another client who was in a transition around her career and she wanted to leave the one that she was in. And there were a couple of others that she had applied for. And she also had a side hustle that she really loved. So she applied for these other two positions and was interviewing. One made an offer. And she was like, I think I'm going to take it. And then coincidentally, the side hustle that she loved the most opened up. And it was kind of a dream come true. And I'm I'm not saying that everyone experiences this type of success, but I wanted to point out that when 
you decide, when you set your intention consciously to work on a particular issue or topic in your life, changes happen. And sometimes they're slow and sometimes they're fast, like what happened with these two particular clients. And I think that the major benefit is, is that you are a big one, having accountability from someone else. B, you are learning new skills that I am teaching you and showing you how to integrate that into your real life. And C, you just feel excited about your life. I've told you guys a million times, you gain confidence by doing the thing, even if sometimes it doesn't work out, even if there are bumpy roads and roadblocks in the way, we will work through them. It helps you develop better skills, better, more healthy coping mechanisms. So head on over to andreaowen.com slash coaching. Even if you're not sure which package you want, let's hop on the phone. Let's do a quick 20, minute, 20, 30 minute call. You fill out a quick questionnaire, which also helps you gain some clarity. And that way I can also see if I think we're a good fit or not. We'll jump on the phone. It's easy peasy, no obligation. And we'll go from there. All right. All right, let me tell you about today's guest. I've known Nicole Antoinette for what feels like a million internet years. She's been on another episode before, and let me tell you a little bit about her. Nicole Antoinette is a writer, long-distance hiker, and former indoor kid who never imagined she'd wind up spending months of each year pooping in the woods. She is the author of two adventure memoirs, How to Be Alone and What We Owe to Ourselves, which is coming out this fall, actually. And she writes a weekly newsletter on Substack called Wild Letters. So without further ado, here is Nicole. <laughs> Nicole, welcome back. Oh, thank you so much. It's so good to talk to you and to see you. It's been so long. It has been so long. It has actually been since 2016. Okay. Yeah. So a whole other lifetime ago. It has been like an entire lifetime ago. And I, I saw that you posted about your book that came and is coming out in April. The book is How to Be Alone, an 800, hi- an 800 mile hike on the Arizona Trail. And I was instantly like, okay, I need to have you on the show to talk about the book, but it's so much more. I'm jumping ahead because I'm really excited to ask you all these questions. I have so many questions <laughs> aside from even the list of that's in front of me. It's not like you just woke up one day and weren't hiking and just decided to do this, right? Like you were a, a quote unquote hiker beforehand, right? I was not. I am like the most quintessential indoor kid you could ever possibly meet. I grew up I in really you were big going cities. On hikes. No. Mm-mm, okay. Yeah. I. I mean, I am now. Yeah. Uh, but no, I was a super. Let me like read books inside and like eat candy and like never get dirty. And my parents aren't outdoorsy. I can't remember oh. them ever taking me on like a walk or a hike. Like the most outdoorsy thing my parents have ever done is eat dinner on the patio of a nice restaurant under a heat lamp. Maybe. <laughs> like that's maybe. And I didn't get into hiking until I was in my early thirties. Okay. Okay. And then did you, did you decide, okay, why do it alone? Because there, there are (laughs) things that you can sign up for, for where it's big treks like this and it's a group of people and it's safer and like all of those things, especially as a woman hiking alone. Why did you make the decision to do it alone? So I guess time traveling back a little bit, um, in addition to not ever having been an outdoorsy person, I was never an athlete. I never played sports. I was never on the like little kid soccer team, like Mm -hmm. never, ever, ever anything. I would try to lie my way out of PE class, right? So 
really, this was not my path was anything athletic. And I got sober in 2011. Mm -hmm. And I quit drinking and started running on the same day, which was like the most unlikely improbable thing to ever happen. Um, I could barely jog two minutes at a time when I first started. And something about how hard and unfamiliar running was, was kind of a replacement for me. I needed somewhere to put all of the energy that I was somehow going to try to not put toward drinking anymore. I mean, this is obviously like a real tight summary of a much bigger Well, and that's what we talk about on the episode that you were in. And I'll put Mm -hmm. that in the show descriptions if people want to go back and listen to that. Exactly. And so what happened for me was that that's how I became an athlete. And I was like, oh, doing things, doing things with your body is actually pretty fun. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, but some years later, I, I had been running for about four years and I, kind of fell out of love with it. I realized that I was afraid if I stopped running, I would start drinking again. And that felt really bad. And so I decided to take a break from running and do some of that deeper work of sobriety, which was absolutely the right call. But I missed the challenge of it. I missed the progressive goal. And I felt like I was hungry for something new in my life to be interested in and obsessed with. And that's when I found long distance hiking. And so I actually, I read a book, it's called Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart by my now friend, Carrot Quinn, and by someone else. I was like, okay, here's someone who also didn't grow up this way, who didn't get into it until their early thirties, went out and did this big hike and didn't die maybe I also wouldn't die if I did this. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of planted a seed. I had recently moved to Oregon, at a place where I was doing some light outdoorsing that I had never done before. And so that was how it became something that was on my radar. The question of why to do it alone, I didn't really know anybody who was into this kind of thing in my mm-hmm. real life, right? I read, had read this book and was starting to follow people's hiking blogs and you know people on Instagram, but I didn't know anyone that had the desire or the time flexibility to right. take a significant amount of time off to do something like a long mm-hmm. hike. And so that was pretty limiting. And also I was interested in doing it by myself, mostly because I didn't think that I could. Oh yeah. That's why I did um, triathlons because I was terrified of open water because I was afraid I was going to get eaten or there was going to be a drain down there that nobody told me about (laughs) that I wouldn't finish. So you, you also talk about in the book, and I remember you posting this on Instagram when it was happening, that you were pretty miserable for much of the hike. Mm -hmm. So why, what, a couple questions. What made you keep going? And did you ever have the desire, like, or felt like you needed to kind of at least put a bow on some of the times where you did not feel great? Yeah. I mean, so this idea of wanting to set out to do something that you don't think that you can do is really interesting to me. I, in addition to being an indoor kid, I have also traditionally been someone who really hates things that they're not immediately good at. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's others listening who (laughs) can relate to that, that you try something and I'm not, you know, immediately a superstar at it. And I'm like, well, that's not for me. I feel that way about bass guitar. And I'm like, why am I (laughs) not like John Taylor from Duran Duran? Like this is bullshit. Right. right. It's been five (laughs) minutes. Why am I not? But you know, and I will say it's like one thing I can joke about it pretty easily, but I do think for me that there was a detrimental effect over time to continually 
quitting or not being willing to do stuff that I wasn't really good at right away because it made my world really narrow. And the combination of that and when I got into long distance hiking, I was going through a period of a lot of people pleasing and codependency and just feeling like I didn't have a strong sense of myself and a strong sense of self-belief. I wasn't a very good friend to myself. I wasn't very kind to myself, just internally in my own head. And all of these things together started to make me curious about who could I become if I started something that I didn't think that I could do, was bad at it, and kept going. Like That was really of interest to me. And I think that sometimes we can put suffering on a pedestal. Like I'm not necessarily trying to do that. My friend Lauren Fleshman talks about how it's a privilege to be able to choose your suffering, which I really Mm -hmm. agree with. And obviously a long distance hike is chosen suffering for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think the hike that I chose, you know, with going on the Arizona trail was definitely too hard for me for where I was at the time for a bunch of reasons, which we can talk about if you want. But I think that I was so miserable so much of the time because it was so new and the gap between my experience uh, and like my fantasy of the thing was so huge. I think my expectations were a little bit off. And sometimes if you don't expect that it's going to be as hard as it is, it can be super miserable. But for me, I didn't really feel like being miserable was a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I look back on now. And I'm like, that's so interesting because I'm all about quitting, right? Like if something's not the right fit for you, quit, walk away. Mm-hmm. I have since subsequently quit other long hikes. And that was, you know, really the right decision. But I feel like there was something in me that I wanted to change by putting myself in a hard situation and then just continuing to not quit. And that's what mm-hmm. it kind of felt like. It's like, I'm not going to quit today. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to quit tomorrow, but like the truth is if you just keep not quitting, eventually you do get to the end of whatever the thing was. And I, I think at least to some degree, I felt like the periods of time where I was really lonely because I was so lonely or when it was really hard was sort of the price of admission to this thing that I wanted to see if I could find within myself. Did you know that going in or did that revelation surprise you? I think it surprised me how miserable I was willing to be that I think that it's, I knew that it was going to be hard in the way that you set out to do a hard thing and you think that it's going to be hard, but there's a real difference between thinking something's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been four days since you've seen another person and it feels like the zombie apocalypse has happened and you're the only one left. And it's been 30 miles since there was a water source. And, you know, like the actual embodied experience of something being hard, what I was not prepared for. Something that I feel like I learned on that hike that I think about all of the time was this thing that I I now think of as the two layers of desire, where like on the top layer, it's what's happening in the moment. You're hot, you're tired, you're not in the mood, you don't want to, whatever. And then there's the deeper layer that's like, yeah, but I do want to, right? I might mm-hmm. not be in the mood in this moment to sit down at the blank page and write, but I know that I do want to write this book. And so it's like being able to hold the both and of like, this sucks and I'd rather not. But as long as that deeper layer of desire still feels true and I can still feel connected to that, I'm able to sort of trick myself into continuing on. And that's not always the case, right? I think about a hike in 2018 that um, I quit halfway through and that deeper layer of desire just wasn't there anymore. So I think some of it is the self-honesty and like Mm -hmm. the communication with yourself of, does this just suck in the moment? And I have to find a way to self 
self-soothe or to get through it because then the emotions will hopefully swing the other way and it'll become fun again versus, oh no, I actually don't connect with this goal anymore and I'm going to give myself permission to walk away. Interesting. Okay. Do you think that, you know, you did the 800 mile hike in 2017, correct? 2017, yeah. And then you, you said that you've quit subsequent long hikes after that. Do you think that because you have checked off the box of this really intense goal that it made it easier for you to quit these other hikes later on sort of like well i've already done the hardest thing ever and proved to myself that i can do it it's i mean it's an interesting question i there's only one big hike that i quit it was in 2018 i set out to do the whole pct which is 2650 miles and i quit 1600 miles in so like a little past the halfway point so that's even more than what you did in 2017 uh-huh. okay uh-huh. that's the longest i've ever hiked at one time and that was how i learned that i don't like hiking for that long that okay. i'm you know like 4 to 6 weeks is really my sweet spot other than that i'm all set like i had no interest mm-hmm. in that but you can't know a thing until you have the experience of doing it. I thought, okay, well, I made it through this 800 mile one. Let me do this other one where it's not going to be so lonely and I could potentially make friends and it's a more social trail and have a different experience. I wanted other things from the hike and I got those things and realized that I didn't like being out there for that long. And so I'm like, okay, cool. That's good information to have. And now I'm going to quit. Yeah. It's almost like Thanksgiving dinner where you're like, okay, I'm full, even though I haven't already had dessert. Mm-hmm. but I'm good. With any hike for me that I'm setting out on, and I think creative projects are the same, it might look to the uh, to other people. Like if you're writing your second book, right? Let's mm-hmm. say, um, or starting a second podcast or a different offering in your business or anything. It, to someone else, it might look like, oh, this is just another book or another offering. But from the inside, there might be a completely different reason why you're making this thing than why you made the first thing, right? Like mm-hmm. one could be more for money. One could be more for personal creative fulfillment or to scratch an itch or to learn a new skill or right. any of those things. So I feel like every hike, every long hike like this that I have gone on, some of the reasons are the same in that I enjoy spending a lot of time outside. and there have also been a lot of different reasons for each one. So, I mean, mm. I think that quit it for me in 2018, quitting on such a public scale, because I had been microblogging on Instagram every single day of the hike. I felt like I had a lot of people that were invested. I had said that I was going to do this thing and really, really, really publicly quitting was humbling for me. But also I had already very publicly quit alcohol. And, you know, shortly after that, I publicly quit my marriage. Like I'm no stranger to quitting things. So I think that um, that's a useful skill, being able to quit things out loud. <laughs> There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. 
I've taken several classes with Masterclass on things like communication, entrepreneurship, and storytelling, and absolutely loved everyone because of their caliber of instructors and how concise the classes are. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. You can make new habits with New York Times bestselling author James Clear, improve your physical and mental well-being with leading gut health experts, or build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel. She is so amazing. I had gotten curious about how to be a better communicator, so I took the Art of Negotiation class with Chris Voss, and it helped me to do things like read body language, read speech patterns, and so much more, so I can better communicate with who you ask? My teenagers. (laughs) Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea. I'm curious to circle back what you were talking about, um, that your friend talks about the privilege of choosing your own suffering. Can you talk more about that? Hmm. I mean, there's, there's so much suffering in the world, in our individual lives that we do not choose whether it's something that's put on us systemically, whether it's an abuse situation, whether even on a more micro level, a thing that we didn't choose for ourselves and something that I think can get lost in the big like adventure or big athletic, you you mentioned triathlon, right? Like a lot of those like personal glory hero stories, Mm -hmm. a theme that I have seen is putting suffering on a pedestal to a degree. And I'm overgeneralizing, but the sort of like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. And, I think and how we all a... love a good redemption story and rags to exactly. story. Yeah. And of course there's some truth to that. I like, mm-hmm. I am absolutely a more resilient person with more self-belief and self-trust and like stronger self-friendship because I have put myself through these challenges because I had to be a better friend to myself because I was alone and there was nobody else to be a good friend to me other than me. So mm-hmm. I don't want to say that we can't grow a lot through challenge, but I just think that it's important to make that distinction between the suffering that we choose and the suffering that we don't choose. And in order for me to be able to go out and hike 800 miles, right? There's privileges inherent in that. Mm -hmm. There's the money to do that, the time to do that, a sense of at least relative uh, safety, right? And Mm -hmm. you mentioned before, you know, being alone out as a woman in the wilderness, of course, there are things that come with that and considerations. But for me, when I'm really miserable out on trail, it is helpful to remember that I put myself in that situation, you know, like nobody's making me do that. And Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to hate it sometimes. Like we can choose something, you know, you can choose to be an entrepreneur. You can choose to have kids. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to complain about those things. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to hate those things sometimes, but just that frame of reference of like, oh, the fact that I can choose to take on something challenging, what, because my like off trail life feels too soft and not challenging enough. There's like some perspective check. I think that I need sometimes. Gotcha. Okay. And the privilege of having that opportunity and option to quit. Completely. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. If it's chosen suffering, Mm -hmm. like you can unchoose it. Yeah. You know, and it's like really, it's really Mm -hmm. cute to just be like, oh, if something's hard, just walk away. And it's like, okay, cool. Not everyone can just quit the job that they hate, right? There's like something to that. So I always, you know, and part of it for me in deciding to write this book and talk about this and like, 
this is all a by choice situation, Mm -hmm. you know, and just to keep that in perspective, I think is is helpful. I gotcha. I like that. I also want to go back to what you were saying about being you. How about how did you word it? Like you were learning how to be a better friend to yourself. Did you kind of come up with that? Like as you were, as you were doing it, or was it something like you read, like what was the origin of, of kind of figuring that out? In the lead up to going on the hike, I was really aware of how much I was relying on other people for pretty much everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what should I wear? What should I do this weekend? Is this the right thing to do with my business or with my money or whatever? And that was making me really uncomfortable because I didn't feel like I used to be like that. And I don't know what changed. I don't know how I got into that phase in my life, but I was feeling like kind of like a newborn deer, like very tottering around, like didn't really have anything solid to land on and was looking to other people for so many things. So I don't know that I would have at the time been able to say, I would like to be a better friend to myself. Let me go to the desert, right? And see Mm -hmm. what happens. But I was looking for something. There was something that felt like it was missing, some self-belief, some stronger assurances. You know, I wanted to be able to have a problem come up and not immediately have to call 10 people to talk about it or Google it or right. And like, I certainly got that because, you know, if you go out completely alone and don't really run into anybody else, care for what you wish for, you know, but I think for me, what I found was that two interesting things. One, I'm actually a lot tougher when I'm alone. Like when Mm -hmm. there's no one to complain to, I just don't complain. Right. Like you just (laughs) sort of get on with it. And I, I like now having the frame of reference of, you know, over 5,000 miles of long distance hiking, a lot of it alone, a lot of it with people that I met on trail, some going out with friends, my now partner, you know, we met on the PCT. And so I've done a bunch of hiking with him. And when I'm with other people and things suck, it's just kind of, you bounce back and forth. Like, oh, it's so hot. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I don't want you. This Mm -hmm. is hard, blah, blah, blah. But when you're alone, or at least for me, I just sort of get on with it. I'm a lot tougher. I'm able to contextualize the experience and find kind of a softer place to land within myself that isn't so miserable. And also that if I am my only company and I'm being mean to myself, that's awful. And the only person you're with is this like horrible bitch. And so I'm like, well, what if I just didn't, right? Like that realization that, oh, I could just not say those nasty things to myself, which like sounds silly saying it out loud now, but that was a real revelation for me. That I'm like, the only person being mean to me here is me. And the only person that has control of it. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, there's no one else here to say nice things to me. Like I am alone in the desert. Like, how about you try just like giving yourself a hug? Like literally. And I would just wrap my arms around myself on trail and be like, I love you. You're doing a good job. Stuff that feels almost eye rolly to admit, but it was really helpful. Just the basics. Just the basics. But, Mm -hmm. But in realizing how I was never taught to do that to myself. I don't know if you were, but no. Right. And like being able to just be kind to yourself in a very real way. The same way that if I were with a friend and they were struggling, what do you need? Do you need to take a break? Do you need some water? Do you need a snack? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that I I had had the misconception that being kind to myself or self-loving was this like really airy, fairy, emotional thing. And what I found for me that I was able to connect with through long distance hiking was it's actually very practical. It was sort of like love as a verb, right? Like, mm-hmm. sweetheart, what do you need? are you tired? Do you want to lay here in the dirt for 10 minutes? Would that Mm -hmm. feel good? Would you like to have some chocolate? Would that be nice? Right. And something about that, that was kind of my entrance point into being able to be a better friend to myself was actual like hands-on caretaking. Part of what, and I I would love to know like any key takeaways, but 
was one, did one of them happen to be, cause I make up that you would learn how to listen to your intuition more on, I, she's nodding her head. You guys can't see, but <laughs> so talk about that. And I just, I just, and again, I don't, I haven't read your book, shame on me, but I just imagine that that's what you would have to rely on out there in the wilderness. Yeah. Something interesting that has happened to me, this hike in particular. So for folks who don't know, the Arizona Trail, it's 800 miles from the Utah border to the Mexico border. It's Mm -hmm. across the whole state. And it's got that trail's gotten a lot more popular now through hiking. Long distance hiking, I think, has gotten a lot more popular in the last whatever five years since I did it. But with that trail, most people who do it do it in the spring going northbound Mm -hmm. because there's more water. I did it in the fall going southbound because I'm an idiot. There was very little water and very few people, like I said, and that was sort of hence the loneliness. But one of the things that I thought about knowing that um, there was a chance that it was going to not be crowded, uh, which is an understatement. I didn't expect it to be as lonely as it was, but I promised myself before I left on the hike that I would trust my gut feelings. Because I think that I had started to realize in a lot of the people pleasing that I was describing before, how often I gave my power away to other people, like whether they're what I perceive to be their expertise or their decision-making or their opinions and really giving that power away to the point where I would have like an intuitive feeling or a gut feeling about something. And I would try to logic my way out of that. Oh, there's Mm -hmm. no reason for you to feel this way. Right. Almost like the self gaslighting that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think a lot of us are familiar with. And some of that being a socialized, like female condition of, you know, you're so emotional or don't trust your feelings or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that I promised, it was kind of a throwaway thing going into it. It was like, I promised myself that I wasn't going to do that. And that came to be a really, really crucial part of the experience. Like whether it was as simple as "Mm, something feels weird, I'm not going to camp here. Or I get a weird vibe from that dude, I'm going to hike faster and then like go off trail until they pass or these kind of things that in the past I would have thought, oh, you're being silly. Yeah. It's probably Mm -hmm. fine. He's probably fine. Yeah. Right. And you know what? It might have been fine, Mm -hmm. but why take the risk that like, (sighs) if it feels weird to camp here, maybe I'm picking up on this is like more mountain lion territory than I realized, or I I don't know. Like I did, I just didn't need a reason for it. And at the beginning that felt really clumsy because like any other skill, which I think that being able to listen to like honor, acknowledge and follow your intuition. I do think that that's a skill and like anything Mm -hmm. else, I think it can be practiced and honed and learned. I didn't, Mm -hmm. it was very weak for me. It was like a weak skill. Mm-hmm. And it is so much stronger now than it was then. So you're definitely right that that's something that came out of it. But I think it was intentionally choosing to practice it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot sometimes these things that are thought of as more like soft skills in quotes, right? Which I yeah. really don't don't like that term anyway. But um, are undervalued and also are things that we either think we're good at or not good at. As opposed Mm -hmm. to it actually is something that can be developed. And I felt like I was really disconnected from my intuition for a really long time. And I mean, I guess if you dump enough alcohol on anything, that will exacerbate problems. Um, Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. But that's something that I have really tried to cultivate is listening to what feels true for me, even if it doesn't make any sense, at least giving myself the moment of pause to notice what it is that I'm thinking or feeling and go from there. Well, and speaking of, you know, doing this by yourself, do you have, and I imagine there's a small population of, of women listening to this who are interested in, in hiking alone, whether it's smaller tracks or longer ones, but also even just traveling alone. So do you have any tips 
for women who have been a little nervous or haven't even checked it out because they're like, oh, it's probably a terrible idea. Like, what would you say to that? What would I say to that? Um, I mean, first of all, I'd say there's lots of ways to do things, right? The answer is not never go hike or go hike a, you know, 800 mile trail alone. And I think that mm-hmm. sometimes we can put these more extreme things up on a pedestal or like it has to be all or nothing. It has to be this huge thing or not, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't true, right? Like it's would be awesome to go on a day hike somewhere that you want to go or go backpacking for the weekend at like a trail that's closer to home that you know there are going to be other people, right? Or you can go with a friend to start. There's lots of ways to ease into things. And I think sometimes I have to check myself from not being like, ooh, the most hardcore version is the thing that's like the best or the most valid or the most sexy. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'll say that first, right? There's lots of different ways to do it. For it's, It's interesting to me how often I get questions about being, you know, being a woman alone, doing this kind of stuff. Um, because I don't really think about it a ton when I'm out there. Like, I I guess, okay. What I will say is in that regard, I have felt unsafe so many more times in cities than I have hiking. So I think for me, a lot of it at the beginning was the fear of the unknown because I hadn't experienced it, Mm -hmm. but I had, I've had so many more instances where I felt unsafe, you know, in in other places. So doing something like this alone doesn't inherently mean that it is unsafe. I feel like my advice would be, and something that I have done before, you know, various hikes is sit down with a blank piece of paper and I will make a list and the top, at the top of the page, I will write things I am afraid of. Where when it comes to that situation. Mm -hmm. And I will be so honest, even if they seem so silly and things like I should not be afraid of. And I will write every single one of them down. And I'll even come back to the list over and over. Is there anything else I can think of? And then I'll give myself, I guess, the respect of honoring those fears and letting them be valid. Because just telling Mm -hmm. yourself, oh, you shouldn't be afraid of that. That's like when you're really worked up when someone's like, just relax. Like, That's when you have anxiety. Yeah. Right. You relax. No, like, I don't want to hear that, you know? And so being able to say like, it's totally fine to be afraid of these things. And then to kind of go more systematically through the list of what is and is not within my sphere of control. Right. And start to look at like, which of these fears could be soothed by learning a new skill. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, one of the things I was afraid of was that I wasn't going to be able to set my tent up properly okay, we'll go in the backyard and practice. You know, like there are some things that are like that, right? And there were other things of, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to meet some shady dude in the woods and it's going to whatever. Okay, well, when I'm hiking alone, I bring mace. Is that a fail safe? No, but it's, I have decided that is enough that I am willing to, I'm, that is what I'm going to do that makes me then willing to go out and do it because I'd rather give it a shot. Um, Those are just some small examples, but I think that just the process of being like, what am I actually afraid of? Seeing it all on paper, what can I control? What can I not control? And what is like realistic and reasonable for me to do in order to prepare for this? And then I guess like how much risk am I willing to take? Because it's like, sometimes I have to remind myself that statistically, I'm much more likely to die in a car accident than to have anything bad happen out on trail. And I drive Mm -hmm. my car almost every day. So Mm -hmm. it's like how much of it is actual risk versus perceived risk because it is the unknown. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's useful at all, but that's the way it is super helpful. That is super helpful. And Okay. And this is sort of like a quick logistics question. My, my fear would be that I would get hurt out there and nobody's around for a few days or, you know, within a hundred miles is what happens in those situations. Do you let a flare off or what? 
I I have what's called a personal locator beacon. Um, I have the Garmin InReach. Uh, Spot okay. makes one. There's multiple ones. There's depending upon what it is that you want. So I have one that um, you can have it on all the time. So it like tracks where you are and that can go to certain people. I have mine off. And so what I'll do, you can set, you put in like a preset message. So when I get to camp each night, I turn it on. It, you don't need cell phone service or anything. It's like a GPS satellite okay. situation. Um, and it sends the preset message to anyone who you've decided. So it goes to my mom, right? If I'm hiking okay. alone, it'll also go to my partner and it has the like GPS coordinates of where you're camping and your preset message. Gotcha. Um, but there's also an SOS button on it that would go uh-huh. to a search and rescue situation. So like in okay. a true life or death situation, that's, I mean, luckily, you know, knock on everything that's never happened to me. Um, but that's why I have it. So you pay for the device up front. And then during the months that you're using it, you pay like a monthly service fee for it. Okay. Um, and the one that I have is also a two-way communication device. So if you don't have cell phone service, but need to be able to send messages that I can also send messages through it. Okay. Now I won't worry about you so much, but I was like, also thinking like, what if I trip and fall and hit my head? It's like someone who's unconscious. Is it? Cause like my Apple watch has that thing where it detects a fall. So I'm sure that Garmin has like something similar. That I'm actually not sure. Um, the the falling and being unconscious has not been a fear of mine that I've looked into. <laughs> to that degree. Um, no, I know, right? Thanks. Um, no, but but your question is is I think really smart and insightful to what we're talking about because if that is a fear of yours, that would go on the list, and then it's like, mm-hmm. okay, what can I do about that? And then you find out right. there is this piece of gear that solves, at least to some degree, solves this problem, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then it's sort of the evaluation of does the protection that this gear give me, make me feel safe enough to try. And if the answer is still no, that's totally fine, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's, you know, you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone and take risks no matter what. Like, I think that also can kind of go into a toxic place, right? Like, I'm definitely not someone who's like, if you're scared, that's a sign you should do it. Like, maybe, but like, I'm a hundred percent scared of like stepping on a rattlesnake. I'm not going to try it. You know, like, <laughs> I'm not going to seek them rattle, out. I'm out of there, dude. Like, so I think y- y- it's like what we just talked about. It's there's so much of that at the beginning because I had, ne- I had never gone camping a night in my life. So for mm-hmm. me to sit and like make the lists of what I was afraid of. And some of it were things that through gear or talking to more experienced people, I could soothe that. But most of what has happened for me is that you learn how to do the thing by doing the thing. And there's so much stuff that I used to be afraid of that I'm not afraid of anymore. And there's stuff that I was afraid of at the very beginning that I'm still afraid of. And I'm doing it anyway, I guess. You know, just to round that up, I'm sure you're more likely to like fall in your shower and hit your head and become unconscious than you are on a 800 mile hike. (laughs) And I think though this kind of honest conversation, I think is really useful. Obviously we're talking about it through the lens of hiking, but this could be true for anything. Like I know people who have this kind of fear about leaving their job or like doing so many different things. Leaving their marriage. Yeah. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. And being able to break down like, which are the fears that you're going to let hold you back and which aren't, I think can be, at least for me, a more logical systematic process than I believe it is when it's all just swirling around in my head. There's something about getting it out on paper. And yeah. for me to say like, yes, I absolutely could like fall off the edge of the cliff and die. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, maybe don't go all the way to the edge of the cliff, right? There are some things that you can do to like keep yourself safer. Minimize the risk. Yeah. And also I'm not just going to like stay in my house every day for the rest of my life. Like, I'm going to die at some point. And I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to be cavalier about that, but like, I think that there are certain things where I'm like, I am willing to take the risk that something could go wrong. It's like you learn enough skills and you gather enough information on the conditions for what you're actually potentially going to be facing on that trail at that time of year. And like, you get Mm -hmm. as prepared as possible 
things are still going to go wrong. 100%. And you'll figure it out. For the best of your ability? But, but I mean, you will. I mean, so far, yeah. I have, you know, 5,000 miles of evidence that I will figure it out. And so many things have gone wrong. Oh, my God. You know, that's fine. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash noise. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. You talked about how it was it was such a great lesson in honing your intuition, but what are some other like standout moments from the hike that you remember all these years later? Oh my gosh. Um, Speaking of things going wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Isn't it always the things that go wrong in something that you like, but then create the best memories later, right? The best stories and metaphors. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I uh, I have one memory of a day where it was like 1 p.m. I was at the bottom of a 4,000 foot climb. So it was like the hottest part of the day. I had just refilled water. I was carrying like 11 pounds of water plus all my food, all my gear. My pack was so heavy. I was sweating so much and I'm looking up at this climb and I'm just like, no, I do not. The last thing in the world that I want to do is hike up this climb right now. And I have such a strong memory of that moment because I had the realization of like, there are two choices. Like you either keep going or you quit. And quitting, this isn't a life or death situation, so I'm not going to push the SOS button. Quitting would mean turning around and hiking back out to my last access. Like either way, I have to move from this spot. 
either way you're right. And like that moment of like, you either go forward or you quit. And I didn't want to quit. I was like, so, okay, I guess I'm going to just do this. And I think about that moment all the time, because there's so much stuff in my off trail life where it isn't that stark. It doesn't, or it's not immediately apparent that it's that stark. It's like, well, you either go forward or you quit, or you like go forward or you find a way to turn around. And yet so many things are like that to a degree. Mm -hmm. And this idea that like, you cannot be in the mood to do something and still do it was it just like proven very useful for me. So I remember that. And then another, one other story that I can tell you, there was a day where I had seen signs of mountain lions, like during okay. the day, I mm-hmm. didn't know how long, right? Like it, it was mountain lion poop and, you know, it looked to be some paw prints, but they could have been old. I had no idea, you know, when the last time the mountain lion came through, but that's one of my top mountain lions are up there with my top, top fears on trail. So as I was starting to get close to making camp for the night, it was just in the back of my mind. So I tried to pick what seemed to be a good enough spot. I didn't have any cell service. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to set up my my tent and do my little evening chores and eat my little dinner and like hope mm-hmm. for the best. So I get in my tent and I fall asleep. And around midnight, I woke up and I see these like two pinpricks of light, like just shining through the trees at exactly what the height would be of a mountain lion. Oh my God. And so I'm, I cannot tell you the switch flip of, I was calm and I had been asleep and I was so terrified. I mean, like shaking, having a like metallic adrenaline taste in my mouth, Mm -hmm. like feeling, oh my God, you know, and I don't want to move. I'm like, well, if it is a mountain lion, it already knows that I'm here. So let me try to scare it away. Right. I'm clapping. I'm making all kinds of noise. The the lights don't move. So I'm laying there. I'm laying there. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to get the thing's going to try to eat my face. I'm going to die. Right. I'm like going through all this. I'm so scared. I'm like worked up into this frenzy. Time goes by, the lights don't move. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Maybe it's just standing there. It's just watching me. More time goes by. The lights do move. I realize that it's actually the moon and it was just shining through (laughs) these like two tiny pinpricks. So now I'm so relieved. I'm crying, right? Like this adrenaline dump has completely left my body. I like legit, I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to die. I'm so worked up. It's the freaking moon, right? And so I think about that all the time because sometimes it is our minds that are tricking us into getting worked up over fake problems, right? Like, yes, if it had been a mountain lion, that would have been a real problem, but it in fact was not. And how many times am I like so worked up over something that I think is like a level 10 and is actually not even a level one. And so I think about that a lot too. Were you able to go back to sleep? No. Oh my God, no, 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 no. I figured. (laughs) Because that adrenaline, no. woo! No, but the exhaustion that I felt the next day yeah. after that adrenaline had worn off, oh my god, I bet it was rough. Yeah, but and and to just be like, well, it could have been a mountain lion, you know, that yeah. could happen. It's, and like I have had a mountain lion in camp on a subsequent hike, and like eventually it just went on its way. You know, but it was just that, that moment of like, oh, cool! I just spent an hour being like worked up into an absolute <laughs> peak frenzy over the moon. Cool, 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 cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the book is How to Be Alone, an 800 mile hike on the Arizona Trail. Where can people go to get the book and hear more of you? Uh, backpackingbooks.com is probably the best place. That's the little website that I made for this book. I was going to say they have their own website. Of course they have their own website. (laughs) Um, So this book and then the other adventure book that I wrote is coming out in September. So they're both there. And that's also like links to all the other things that I do are also there. So that's a good one-stop shop for people. Okay. We'll put those in the show notes, including the episode that you were on before many years ago, where you talked about your sobriety and, and running. And is there anything else before I let you go that you want to say, it as it pertains to this book or the lessons that you learned, anything at all in order for you to feel complete? 
No, I feel like this was really fun. I love talking about hiking. I love I love talking about hiking for the same reason that I loved talking about running back in the day because it's just a lens through which to talk about a lot of universal human things, I mm-hmm. think. And I am well aware that not everyone is interested in doing an 800-mile hike. I mean, circa however many years ago, I would have never been interested in that. But I do think that, or I hope that there's something in this that you know, folks feel is relevant to their situation. And if someone listening is interested in hiking and is a beginner and has questions, feel free to reach out to me. I, I do like helping helping soothe the fears of new would-be hikers. Uh, hikers. Also on the, on the um, Backpacking Books uh, website, I have links to my hiking playlist, the theme of which is you're standing at the bottom of the mountain at the hardest part of the day and you don't want to climb it. What song <laughs> do you put on to like get your ass up the mountain, right? So like there's that. I and really then- hope the climb by Miley Cyrus is on there. My God, it's not, but it should be. Okay. <laughs> Every year before hiking season, I like crowdsource suggestions from people too and see which ones I like. So I feel I'm at my next hike is in May. So I'm I'm I, I am on the lookout for new songs. And then I also have a link to my current gear list if that is okay. of use to anyone. So okay. Awesome. Thank you. That'll be in the show description too. Everyone listening, thank you so much. You know how I am so grateful for your time. It is so incredibly valuable. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. I would be so incredibly grateful if you haven't done so already, if you could leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Super easy if you already listen to your shows over there. Um, But if you don't, or maybe you have the app on your phone, but you listen to the show on a different app, if you could leave a review for this show, it matters so much. I wish I could express how much it matters. I also wish that it didn't matter so much, but alas, it does. So if you haven't already, please go review and rate the show. It would mean so much to me. And thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing day. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.